For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets, where today we continue our reality TV series with none other than, ready for this one, Johnny? The godfather of the MTV network who has 20 plus, yes, I said 20 plus seasons of experience under his belt. The one and only, the Johnny Bananas. I know your schedule's mayhem right now, Johnny, so thank you so much for being with us. Buddy, I got to say, if a hosting doesn't work out for you, you got a bright future pumping tires at the... Uh, <laughs> At the gas station, man. That's the that's the best intro I've ever gotten, man. Thank you wow. so much for that. Wow. And you should yeah. hear the intro before. That was just like an abbreviated version. So if you know, I think you know it to a person or two in, uh, in the hosting world. So let me know. And I know you got a PR rep on here. So if you got any connects, let me know, guys. You got to put it uh, out there. I got you, man. Uh, and also just a quick you know, adjustment I want to make. I am not, in fact, the godfather. That's Mark Long. We like to refer to Mark Long as the godfather. I'm the oh. goat. Okay, gotcha. Oh, that's yeah. good to know. See, see, what's interesting is I did the research on you and I just self-proclaimed you as the godfather, not even knowing it. there was another godfather. So that's how natural it was, but we'll we'll have to adjust that to the code. I mean, it works. I mean, I, I got the Italian thing going for me. So, good. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it, definitely, it definitely works. All right. Now I have some, obviously everyone, right? You pre-prepare some questions and stuff like that. This is just kind of going right off the cuff. The bananas thing, like you entered in the chat, it said bananas in, in clear font. Yeah. And I see your last name, got the Italian last name. Where the hell uh -huh. bananas come from? Why Johnny Bananas? It's funny because I've had a few actual real life run-ins with bananas in my life that are kind of just funny anecdotes that go along with the nickname. The first one being when I was in elementary school uh, mm -hmm. growing up, I was a, a, a big, I watched movies that I probably shouldn't watch when I, when I was a kid. My mom was uh, very liberal with the, uh, the movies she allowed us to watch. Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy. That was one of my favorite movies growing up, right? Classic. And in one of the uh, movies, I forgot which one it was, one, two, he's getting tailed by these cops and he stuffs bananas in the cop's tailpipe. And then okay. when they go to tail him again, it stalls the car and it doesn't move, right? So a light bulb went off in my head. I was a mischievous kid. I was always trying to find ways to get out of going to school. I told him I was sick and I put the, we have one of those old school like, uh, thermometers with the mercury inside of it you know okay. and i put it by a light bulb to <laughs> I get the that heat trick. to go up oh, yeah. and she'd come in and i'd stick it in my mouth little <laughs> did i know that like 101's a fever yeah i had to see my light bulb so it's like 150 so i'm like mom i'm not feeling good she's like 150 degrees okay i'm you'd be dead you would literally you'd spontaneously combust <laughs> I was always just trying to find ways to get out of, uh, of going to school. And, and, and this res, I'm like, this, this could actually work. So one morning before clock, before school, I stuffed a bunch of bananas in my mom's tailpipe. And I know that sounds bad, but I'm, you know, uh, and the car started right up. Lo and behold, uh, got dropped off at school. I'm like, this is bullshit. Um, <laughs> she comes back that afternoon to pick me up and she's, 
extremely upset and she's like did you stuff anything in my tailpipe i had to go to the mechanic because my the car started <laughs> filling up with smoke uh, i'm like I, yeah i guess i may or may not have so that was kind of the first time i got in trouble for that didn't work <laughs> so just kind of growing up there was always this story about about you know my son and bananas and then it wasn't until i moved to new york when i was 17 um after high school I got a job at Banana Republic of all places, the Roosevelt Field Mall. And uh, my best friend to this day, who I met there, worked at Kenneth Cole. We were both named John. So to tell us apart in our circle of friends, I became Johnny Bananas. And then that just stuck with me, man. It's just it it kind of just goes along with like, you know, my, my personality type and how you know how I used to be. It's almost like uh, it's almost like destiny. We don't choose our nicknames, they 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 find us. <laughs> They find us. Kind of, uh, yeah. And then when I went on the real world, my first season, I was like, I want to go on as John, like John from, you know, it's just like yeah. such a, such a, you know, vanilla, just regular old name. I mean, if someone dies and they don't know the identity, it's a John Doe. You know what I mean? So I'm like, <laughs> I want to like separate myself aside, become a brand, hopefully someday down the line. So I started going with Johnny Bananas and it's, I so you came yeah, into a reality show and you talk about self-proclaiming. Obviously, the nickname found you, but you walk into MTV and like, listen, you guys are going to use my nickname and it's Johnny Bananas. That's how it went down. Pretty much. Well, not even. I mean, I didn't even. I didn't even say it like that. I just went on in my and on my original season and again. I wanted to be. I wanted to set myself aside, right? Like, sure. It was weird. It was like even before I went on TV. I just kind of like had this idea of like how I wanted to be different and set myself aside. And it was like, mm -hmm. I didn't even know what branding was at the time, but I'm yeah. like, I want to become a household name and I want to be known as something other than John. I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. And um, so I want to call myself that. However, it took a few seasons for the, the challenge wouldn't uh, warm up to call. I mean, my first few seasons of the challenge, I was John. And then it went from John to Johnny. And then I was like, can I be bananas? And they were like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're not Even playing let, that bullshit. They let Eric call himself big easy. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so it wasn't until I think it was free agents, the season I did uh, years back when there was another Johnny in the house. And mm -hmm. I'll never forget before we, we went for the, the season, I get a call from the production manager. They were like, all right, there's two Johnnies this season. Do you want to be Johnny B or Johnny D? I was like, neither. I want to be bananas. And they were like, cool. So from that day forward, uh, they started throwing bananas on my uniform and that's kind of, you know, how it's been. I love it. So there was like a little bit of a struggle because it reminds me yes. of soccer in college. And there was a freshman. He's a really good friend of mine. I bring him up on the pod a lot. His name's Hawk. And he was a freshman. And he tells the seniors, they're all coming up with nicknames like chirping us, you know, how it all goes. And he says, yeah, you guys can call me Hawk. That's because his real name was Kurt. My nickname's Hawk. Seniors okay. are like, if you think you're going to fucking come onto this team and yeah. stuff, claim your nickname you're out of your damn mind but johnny your story reminds me of as you're talking i'm like this is like a a ferris or 2.0 but then after some of those mishaps getting the uh, thermometer up to 150 i'm like eh, maybe he could have taken a lesson two out of ferris bueller's uh playbook but totally, dude. you mentioned uh really you mentioned a bunch of your, your your history already from putting bananas into the cars <laughs> to working at banana republic and your time on tv I want to go to your college years real quick. And my understanding is you were casted for your first show, which was The Real World, 2006. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were just about to graduate from college. So how did you get casted? And what was your, your expectation coming out of college? I mean, I think you went to Penn State. Your expectation couldn't have been, yeah, I'm just going to go, you know, be a reality TV guy for, for 20 plus seasons. What was it? How'd you get casted? How'd you land up there? It, it wasn't not that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair. That's, that was like, what, what that was like, this could actually happen. It all started, believe it or not. I didn't grow up with cable. Right. So 
I wasn't a real world fan growing. I mean, I didn't, I'd heard about it. I didn't have MTV. I wasn't even allowed to watch the, the, the Simpsons most of the time, but like going into college, I mean, back in the day, it was like the only game in town was like the real world, the challenge survivor and big brother. I think those were the only reality shows out there. Everything that exists today didn't exist. So being on reality TV back then was like, it, it was a big deal. So I actually had a crush on this girl named Amy. Dad, I don't want to pump her tires up too well, much. Name here, drop there. She ran in our circle of friends, right? And every time I wanted to hang out with this girl, she'd be like, oh yeah, come over to the apartment. We're just watching some TV. And I'd show up. Sure enough, it would be all of her and all her girlfriends sitting around there in PJs watching the real world. And I'd show up and I'm like, yo, what's up, guys? And they'd be like, shut up. We're watching it. So I'd have to just sit there silently and not talk until it was over, which is difficult for me. But I started while it was the real world Philadelphia. And I started watching this season and it was like MJ, Landon, Karamo, all these people. And, and I'm sitting, and especially what resonated with me was the MJ Landon relationship. I'm like, wait a minute. So these guys are like college guys, athletes, frat guys. They like to go out and party and stir shit up, drink, hook up. I'm like, and that's what I'm doing anyways. Like these guys are getting, I might as well get some notoriety for it, you know? So me sending an audition tape was just kind of like, I'm a senior. It's February. I have zero idea what I want to do after this. I have no internships lined up. All my roommates are juniors who already have jobs lined up. I'm a senior and I've got a couple months left. I got no idea what I'm going to do after college. So I just kind of sent in an audition tape on a whim, dude. I went to the the IT lab and I rented a freaking camcorder. They still like the cassette tapes. And I did this whole video for, I did it in front of Old Main, which is like the iconic building on campus, which might I add Barack Obama, because he was president at the time, actually used as the same backdrop when he came to Penn State years after. And I like to think that Barack Obama saw my audition tape and was like, could you imagine that Barack Obama is plagiarizing your creative? Imagine that shit. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Listen, Entourage did it, you know, back in the day. HBO stole my nickname. You know, wow. it's not too far of a stretch to think that that could have happened too. But I sent an audition tape, yeah, back in February. I went through the casting process. It was pretty crazy back then. And then I ended up be, I ended up getting cast in the show. I was one of 200,000 applicants wow. uh, that, that rose to the top. And then next thing I knew, I was in, I was on, Key, uh, you know, Key West for the real world that, you know, after college. That's pretty cool. And so your buddies, internships, they're getting jobs, they're getting paid their yeah. money. You land this this dream gig for you that fits perfect in everything you're doing. Perfect. What is it like at that time? You know, been on reality shows, done on cameos, have yeah. to do one tomorrow. What was like a contract like back in 2006 for, for a reality TV show? Did they pay much? Not no. a little? No, they paid you <laughs> not even a living wage. They gave you what were called story rights and they paid you $350 a week, all right? Okay. But the, the thing is with, with reality TV back then is it was like, it's almost like an, how endorsements go for athletes now. You don't really, make, it's not your contract you make money on. Yep. It's after, right? It's 100%. what you do with it after. And this was before social media. So my thing was like, yo, I actually saw the real world as a stepping stone to get on the challenge. That's what I really wanted to do. I wanted okay. to beat, man. I saw all these guys, you know, I'm like, dude, that is like my dream to be able to go on TV and compete and hang out and party and and basically do what I'm doing in college and continue doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was an econ major. I'll never forget. We had this exercise one day where our teachers like, all right, our professors like, you can do anything you want and get paid for it. All right. It could be anything as ridiculous as you want. And I literally wrote down, I was like, I want to, I want to get paid to travel and party. Yeah. <laughs> and lo and behold, 
I somehow managed to find, you know, a chink in the matrix, dude, where I'm like, I figured it out. You know what I mean? And it's the uh, power of manifestation right there. We've covered a lot of ground here with Johnny Bananas. We're talking professional, personal, and a whole lot of reality TV. But one thing we haven't talked about that I've talked about in other episodes is the importance of insurance, specifically life insurance. And so you could actually save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing your quotes. Imagine that. Compare the, the people you're working with, and you could do it with Policy Genius. If someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, an aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. So Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one centralized place. So why would you compare? I already said the first one. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. And then if we convert that to dollars, you could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policy. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for just a simple phone call. Rated number one by Forbes advisor, Policy Genius is the place to start. Getting started is easy. First, simple. Just go to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and then compare personalized quotes to find your best price. Head to policygenius.com to get started right here, right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. And I did a hundred bar appearances. This is back when like bar appearances like a big thing because we were sure. like celebrities back then. And uh, off the real world, I did six straight months of bar appearances. I did a hundred bar appearances in like less than a year. I was doing like 20 a month, going all around the country, drinking, partying. I, mean, I do six weeks of spring break. And you're getting paid. Uh, I mean, those you're getting paid a decent clip, right? Yeah. Anyway, some low end, a thousand, high end, ten plus. Yeah. So, dude, I, I'll never forget. This was like back before the days too of like when the TSA was really strict, right? Yep. So you could fly with whatever you wanted, right, buddy? I'll never forget. I would fly. Through, I'd have like twenty five thousand dollars in cash in my backpack. All right, <laughs> going through TSA, and they look at it and be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, I. Reality TV, I do bar appearances. You get paid in cash, dude. Sure. Right? So, so they they're thinking just, you're like selling drugs on the side. Little do they know you're just getting hammered at a bar making 25K in a week. I got to the point where, because I usually got paid in a thousand dollar increments, right? In 20s. I got to the point where when I got handed at the end of the night a, a, a stack of 20s by, by a bar, they're like, you want to count it? I'd feel, I'd be like, nah, this is good. I can literally tell just by the thickness of the stack the if it was a thousand dollars. That's amazing. And it, it shows <laughs> a little bit the change, right? So from when you first signed the contract, you know, 350 bucks a week, what we've seen in every show we've talked to survivor, amazing race, big brother, the bachelor, bachelor in paradise. We've had people come on and talk about them all is that quickly your leverage increases as there's fandom and you build the following and you have a lot more leverage when you're going on these shows to negotiate. So as a guy, I don't think I've, I've, I don't think I know of anyone. You might, you might be setting a, like a world record here for most reality seasons ever as a cast member. But I have to imagine that from 2006, that 350, your leverage when you go into like a 2021 season has to be like 20x that when you're negotiating. Yeah. Or do you still have that same mindset? Like, listen, this isn't a money grab. I'm going on TV to build my brand. And then after it, I'll land one deal and make way more than I will filming for the next two months. 
No, no, no. I mean, the leverage is definitely there now. And I mean, the challenge has changed over the years, right? From what it used to be. I mean, the yeah. challenge used to be, again, spring break, dude. You're partying in a house with your buddies. The challenge is the physicality was kind of like secondary to the house reality and to the partying aspect. And it used to be fun, man. Like it really did. Like you would go and it was like a vacation with your boys and you just got to go and just turn up and, and have a wild time. Awesome. The challenge has evolved, all right? The challenge has now turned into a sporting event, okay? It really is like, I mean, they cast people and, and you know, it often gets tossed around all oh, the challenges, the fifth major sport, Bill Simmons coined yeah. that phrase. It yeah. has turned into a sport, man. <laughs> and now the competition and the strategy and the game is in the forefront and the partying and the fun is come secondary. Gotcha. So it has turned into more of a job, right? It went from being this, you know, this, this really fun thing. And over the years I've changed as well. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it, I've grown, even though it may not seem like it sometimes I've also <laughs> evolved and I've grown. And as, as much as I want to say, listen, I'm Peter Pan living in never, never land. The challenge of my never, never land. The cast members of my lost boys, you get to the point where I'm just like, now it almost takes more, more time, more effort, than it used to. And again, sure. I'm going on now and I see it as a job, you know? Is that because the prize pool? Because my understanding, tell me a little bit of the prize money. And, and I was doing some research. Again, you can never trust anything online, but yeah. you've won over a million bucks in prize money. So yeah. has the prize pool changed? Is that oh, accurate? Pfft. And is that why it's so competitive now? Because I mean, you're talking about big money here. You put it this way, dude. Back in the day, I had to win a challenge like, and that's why, I mean, I had, to, I was doing usually two challenges a year and with my side gigs. I had to at least win one challenge a year to enable myself to continue just doing TV to, to, to make a living. Right. Sure. Yep. There's a lot of people that were like, Oh, I got, I got a normal job. I'm one of the few people that never has never had a normal job. Like ever. Once I started doing reality TV, I never went back, dude. I never went to, to, to a normal job. And I was, and I tell myself, I'm like, if I want to keep maintaining my, my lifestyle the way that I am, I have to win. Right. Yeah. Cause the prize money was 50, 75 grand. Okay. It has again evolved to the point where now it's a million. Okay. The first prize, it first prize is a million, but it's, it's usually broken down maybe 50% first place male, 50% first place female, or like, you know, 75% goes to the first place and then down the line. But dude, like, had I been winning at the clip, now that I was back in the day, buddy, I, you know, I, I've won seven times. You know I mean? You, you do the math. So, That's fucking wild. so now it's got to the point where if you just show up, I mean, and again, with the, you know, the stipend you receive is obviously, you know, sure. elevated over the years, of again, course. with more leverage, you have the ability to, to, to demand more money, but social media has also changed the game as well. When I Dude. first started doing the challenge, social media didn't exist. Mm -hmm. All right. And it's good and bad because now it's like you can make money strictly off deals through social media. Your social media now is a litmus test and a measuring stick to how companies will be able to like utilize you for brand deals and for all this other stuff that wasn't around. However, every mistake now that you make on reality television, people have an instant, <laughs> you know, a, a line directly to you. And, and yeah, dude, it's, so that's kind of changed as well. So you're going to be a lot more careful now uh, with, you know, just kind of your antics on, on reality TV. And that was, dude, when I started, bro, it was the wild west, man, anything went now things are, you know, things have changed significantly and you really have to kind of adapt to the times and, you know, but there's also a much bigger pool of people out there too. When, when we first got off our show, 
we were getting booked all over the country, man, all the yeah. time, you know, because there was now there's so much reality television out there and the market has become so saturated that those appearances and the deals that we used to do aren't necessarily there, but it's almost better now because it's like I get paid five, 10 times to sit at home and snap a picture of myself holding a product or, you know, do some <laughs> brand deal than, than I used to get to fly across the country and drink myself into oblivion for a night. And, you know, and was that the only way, Johnny, that you would monetize back in the day before social media? Because now everyone, yeah. you're right, becomes an influencer. Was that the only way you do bar stuff? Or were there other means of uh, getting gigs that you would actually make some, you know, quick money doing stuff otherwise? So it was mostly bars, clubs, okay. uh, special events, that sort of stuff, right? Okay. Um, the college speaking circuit was huge back then, but I wasn't necessarily like the poster child for, for a college for a university. Meetings. Yeah. They want <laughs> people to come in to motivate our kids. <laughs> they want people to come exactly and talk about like, uh, you know, like, like issues or, or, or things that can resonate with college kids. I just would show up and be like, yo, you guys want to like make a living off of uh never getting serious about life. Like I got the, I got the blueprint for that. You know, like my parents to this day, I went to Penn state, as you mentioned before, mm-hmm. I got a degree in economics from the business school and they're still sitting here today and be like, so this degree that we, that we obviously pay, help pay for you to, uh, to get, are you ever planning on using that? Like, you know what I mean? To my parents this May, I like literally went to college and got a degree and have used it for nothing other than, you know, television. Took my dad a long time to come around. My dad's like the old school, traditional, I mean, you know, Italian, uh, you know, military, everything for him is in a neat little, little package. And he looking at me, he's like, how are you going to make a living doing this? You know what I mean? When are you going to get a real job? When are you, when, when are you going to stop with this real world thing? And it took a while for him to come around, but my dad's finally come around and been like, all right, well, you've somehow managed to take this like mischievous nature that you had growing up. And you've been able to now parlay that into not just a job, but a career and a successful one at that. And my dad's always mystified as to how I've been able to do that. So you broke, I mean, essentially you broke the blueprint that was in place a long time ago. You did it your way and no one else's way. Mm-hmm. Almost 40 years old. If an 18 year old, 20 year old comes to you and says, Johnny, I, I, I want to take the route you did, or I want to do something different. What suggestion would you have to an 18 to let's say 23 year old thinking about going to college or pursuing higher education while they're actually completely lost with what they want to do? I think that what I, and what I've always said to people about college, I always, I, I wasn't, I was a kid, didn't want to go to college. Right. I just, yep. cause I wasn't a big fan other than like the social aspect of high school. I hated school. Okay. I hated going to class and having to learn. I, I, I was so much more in, interested in the social aspect of school. I couldn't wait for recess. I couldn't wait for lunch. I couldn't wait to get out and socialize. So I just thought that that college was just going to be another four, eight years of that. Mm-hmm. wasn't until I got there that I realized I'm like, wow, dude, like the social aspect of college is equally, if not more important than the academic part. And I've always told people that who are going to college, I'm like, don't be like Mr. Bookworm that buries your head in your book all the time and is always focused on class and you let your your social life, you know, struggle. But you can't also be the other person. You can't be the degenerate partier that's that's going to you know t- that's going to parties five, six, seven days a week, mm-hmm. um, and then letting your your studies you know fail. I was always like, you got to find that balance, okay? Because what you learn outside of the classroom in college 
is equally, if not more important than what you learn in the classroom. And sure. that is, this is the first time you're out of the nest, right? You have to make your own. If you don't want to go to class, you don't have to because you're paying for it. But this is the first time that you are out here in, in a community and environment of your peers. And it's the first time that you are going to learn and you're going to grow and you're going to be forced to basically blaze your own trail and, and, and make your own path. And what's really interesting now, and I think a lot of this is because of the advent of social media and text messaging. Dude, when I was in college, I mean, yeah, you had a cell phone, but like text messaging was in its infancy, dude. Like social media didn't exist. AOL was like, like the AOL messenger was like the coolest way to like communicate with people. Yeah. So there was still very much like interpersonal communication. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you go I think to a bar, sense. everyone wasn't sitting there on their phone check. Like you'd actually have to talk to people. Sure. And what's happened over the years is the, the bandwidth, people's ability to just communicate, have a conversation without using their thumbs has, has decreased substantially. And now I think a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, these big companies, these big businesses that used to be looking for the 4.0 Harvard business grad, okay? They're now looking for like the middle of the road C student liberal arts major. And the reason being is because you could take one of these bookworm, you know, Harvard, or, you know, not to pick on Harvard, but just sure. somebody that is, is incredibly intelligent book wise, but isn't street smart, doesn't understand how to communicate. And there's so much more now of an emphasis placed on EQ and your emotional quotient and your ability to like understand the human condition and talk and, and communicate with people than IQ. Because you take one of these high IQ people and you put them in a in a boardroom or a meeting or a sales meeting, they can't communicate, dude. And that's yeah. where a lot of the emphasis is placed right now. And that's what I'd say to a lot of kids is focus on that. You know, if I went into the challenge as far as like with my EQ and just being able to read people and understand and manipulate people, if I went into the challenge with a uh, high school diploma, mm -hmm. I came out with a doctorate. Okay, <laughs> and and that's what I like. It, the, the challenge is such an incredibly unique environment. And I like to say this, the challenge is one of the last remaining true, truly reality television shows. All right. Why do you say that? And I hate to interrupt, but why do you say that? Because when I see the show and my viewership, even someone who's been behind the scenes on shows on both sides, cast and production. Yeah. It seems to me it's the, the rawest. It like, is. So tell me why though. And that's what I mean, because what's amazing about the, the, the real world and the challenge is I've always said reality is stranger than fiction. OK, there isn't a writer or a creator or a producer that could in their imagination come up with the things that happen in reality when we are subjected to the environment, the isolation, the personalities the overall aspect of, of the show and the environment that we're put into. You take that, you add a whole lot of money, you add an incredibly complicated strategic game, and you mix all this together. And what comes out the other end is stranger and crazier and more entertaining than anything that you could script. The challenge is not scripted. It does not need to be, again, because of the environment we're placed in and the personalities. And I think, I've always said this about the challenge. It's like, you are in a shark tank, dude. Okay. And only like the strongest survive. Sure. I was always like in my circle of friends growing up, I was always like the most over the top, loudest in your face, kind of center of attention type person. Right now you then take a challenge house. You now have 30 people 
who were all in their circles of friends, the loudest, most over the top center of attention. And you put those 30 personalities in the house together. And then you have to try and rise to the top of that. Mayhem. It really does like it hardens you, man. And it really does force you to really change your ability to not just understand the people you're around, but understand yourself, how you operate in these, uh, in this crazy sociology experiment and how to manipulate and get the best of and figure these people out. So the challenge, like it literally teaches you how to be, you know, the master of your own domain. So then what happens is that and then, then outside of that, then if you are, are doing a deal negotiation with that network or another network or any other thing, it's like you now have this ability to like read people, to understand people, to manipulate people. So it's almost like, you know, they're creating like a monster that then they have to try and control outside of it. And uh, I feel like that's, that's kind of what ha- what's happened with me. That's like the best 2021 comment I've ever heard is that a reality show gave you the high school GED to the doctorate. And there's so much truth to that. What about restrictions? Do they put any restrictions on like how much you can drink, curfew, stuff like that, where the environment's more controlled? Like I said, a lot's a lot's changed over the years. Yeah. Reality TV used to be the Wild West, bro. I mean, yeah. we would go on and it was like, Mayhem. No holds barred. But obviously, <laughs> over the years, things have, have transpired on reality TV and in, in television in general, in society, that now there's a lot more, I guess you'd say, like liability placed. Um, they need to be a lot more careful with people that they cast. I mean, we do psych evaluations now every season yeah. before we go away just to make sure because reality TV, for, for, for all the benefits that it has, it can do a number on your psyche and it really can break you down, man. And, 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 and it's rough, dude. Like I've, I've always said this, I'm like, I'll do a season of the challenge. People have never done it. Come on. And a weekend they look at me and they're like, you've done this for 20 seasons. Like what is wrong with you? <laughs> you sick bastard. Yeah. And I sit there and I'm like, at first I used to think everyone else was a cra- I'm like, Oh man, look at these crazy Fox. Like I used to think everyone surrounding me was crazy, but then I had to turn the microscope around myself and be like, maybe I'm the crazy one. <laughs> and I'm not maybe the traditional sense of crazy, but the fact that I've been able to withstand the rigors, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional rigors of reality television for as long as I have, and not just survive, but be able to thrive in that environment. It's like, I don't know, man, I'm like one of those bacteria that can like survive on the surface of the sun. It's like, this should not happen, but somehow it still manages to do it. But I've obviously said this, I'm like, when and if and when I, I I do pass, I should probably donate my brain to science so they could study it and be like, let's see what the long term side effects of like reality television on the human brain are because there's definitely I something. Like that. There's definitely something gonna, going on up here. Yeah. We are going to donate Johnny Banana's brain to uh, <laughs> research. You're defying all odds. Twenty plus seasons, I'd be I wouldn't still be here to talk about it. Twenty reality shows. That's crazy. That's for sure crazy. But let's talk about something else that's crazy. It's coming right around the corner. The holiday season especially right now with supply chain and sending orders in the mail. That goes both personally and professionally. So what I'm doing for my personal and professional businesses is I'm using ShipStation. Here's what we have at Restart. We now have winter hats that you can buy. And so ShipStation will help me grow my business, manage my inventory, and juggle all the orders with all the mayhem going on in the shipping world, both personally for holiday gift giving and for business sales. So you can figure out the best way to ship your orders because we all know how confusing and frustrating that can be. They have over 100,000 sellers that are using ShipStation in their business. That's over 100,000 sellers are using ShipStation in their business. 
and they work with all the major carriers and they'll give you, this is the best part, you know me, I like the deals. They give you exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS shipping. So literally it's never too early to start prepping for the holiday rush. So get a head start and get it with ShipStation. My listeners can use my offer code SECRETS to get a 60-day free trial just in time for the holidays. That's two months of stress-free shipping for free. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top, and enter SECRETS. ShipStation. Make ship happen. But you did say the word thrive. And I'm curious, what since you, because I've seen you, you've landed uh, NBC Celebrity Sleepover, and I've seen that you've been on the Food Network and you're on the Travel, the First Look show. So what opportunity, maybe it's not even like a hosting gig, it's an endorsement. What do you think has been the best opportunity financially and professionally that has stemmed from the 20 plus seasons that you have defied and you have made it through? It would have to be first look and it would have to be NBC looking at Johnny Bananas, the reality television guy and seeing inside and seeing past the, you know, this persona that's out there and seeing the true talent that, that and the potential that lay beyond me. I've always said this about the, the, the challenge is, while I, I'm not, I don't want, I don't want to say that I go on and I'm a different person or I'm a character, but I am a more colorful, more in your face, larger than life version of who I am. The reason being, the challenge is all about finding ways to to find someone's vulnerabilities, all Mm -hmm. right, and to attack those vulnerabilities. So the challenge is all about going in with a suit of armor and a protective layer. And I've always used my personality and my sarcasm, my tongue in cheek, my abrasive side, I I don't take anything seriously, as a way to like keep people at a distance because you can hurt this persona and it's not going to affect me. If sure. I open myself up and I should and, and I am who I really am, the vulnerable, you know, sensitive part of me, which a lot of people don't see, you then can t- take advantage of that. And that's then you're actually going to affect me and you're going to hurt me. Hmm. Going on to first look and, and being able to land that job, it was the first time I've always known that I was destined for things other than I don't want to say greater than, but other than r- r- the challenge in reality TV. I always sure. knew that. While the challenge was this amazing platform and this great ladder to climb, I always knew that once I hit the top of that ladder, it's like, I want to, I want to dive off Jump and I want to go next. in a different direction. And I've yeah. always loved, I wanted to take my love of travel. I wanted to take my love of human interaction. I wanted to take my, my, my passion for just like learning and developing and put that in a new direction. And, and, and when first look came along and they were like, listen, we have this hosting gig available. We want to bring you in. It was like, it was amazing, man. It was the first time I felt like somebody really believed in me, man, and really saw my ability to do something other than the challenge. Because that's kind of how it always was with, yeah. with, with the challenge with MTV. It was like, listen, we love you for the challenge, but, but we don't really see you for anything other than or beyond that on the sure. network. So the fact that another network saw this potential in me and they gave me the shot. I've never looked back and it really has taught me to be a more complete personality, a more complete reality television person. Because before it was like, dude, the challenge is all about absorbing all the oxygen in the room, reality TV in general. Don't let anyone else get a word in edgewise. You're not, you don't listen. It's all talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like I go over to hosting. It's the exact opposite. It's like celebrity sleepover. I'm sitting down with, with, with these celebrities now and it's all about taking what the person says, really listening, absorbing what they say, and then formulating follow-up questions and making it entertaining, you know, and, and, and not just 
being the, the, the entertainer, right? right? Being interested, not interesting. And that took a long time for me to figure out. And it took, and it was, it was a very difficult road for me, but now I feel like because of that, I still have the dude, the Johnny bananas, that the challenge guy, that is never going to go anywhere. Well, let but me, now, I want to ask you about yeah. that because if you use this as in this kind of a direct question here, but you use it as a launch pad, 20 plus seasons, and then you start, you know, you're appearing on the food network and you're getting two hosting gigs with NBC different network, doing everything you kind of want to do. What makes you go back to MTV, the challenge? Is it the money? Is it the opportunity? Like what, what action, like why not use it and keep going? So this might, this might be a, a bad metaphor, but it's almost like, you know, like an old relationship that you had, even though you've broken up, it's almost like you almost, there's almost like this sense of familiarity there. And yeah. it's like, well, why would you go back? And it's like, just because it just feels, cause it just feels not like, there's no effort. It's like, yeah. you know, it's so well, you know, this person so well that it's like you, there's, you don't even have, there's no talk. It's like, you just right away, just snap right back into all your, the old fun little, whatever relationship that you used to have. And even though now you might be dating somebody else and you really, you might be treated better in your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you, you always remember all the good things. You know what I mean? There's so like that nostalgia tempting. that you want to go back to. And, you know, you might regret it the next day when you wake up. You're like, what the fuck did I just do? But with MTV, I mean, with the challenge, that's how it is, dude. It's like I spent a decade and a half of my life just put myself out there and and and, and building this, this persona and, and who I am. And it's like I owe so much of who I am today, the person I've become, the man I've become, the personality I've become – the brother, the, 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 the son, the boyfriend, like whatever you want to say. I owe so much of that to what I learned about myself, about I'm being on reality TV, right? Like I always say that, that the movie, The Truman Show with Jim Carrey, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm the real life Truman. <laughs> I started reality TV when I was 22 years old. Here I am 38 years old and people have been able to watch me grow over all these years. And I, I, I'll be the first one to say if I could go back and meet my 22, 23, 20 year old version of myself, I would kick my own ass. Okay. <laughs> um, but what's given me the ability to change and I don't, and I don't regret any of the mistakes that I made because the things that I did on, on, on TV, the mistakes that I made, the, the things that I did right have helped form me into who I am today. And being able to see myself from a perspective that very few people get to see themselves from. Okay. And be able to there's some cringeworthy things that I've said and that I've done that I look at and I'm just like, thank God. Like, had I not been able to see myself do that or say that, who knows if I would have ever changed. But because I was able to, I'm able to take the things that I like about myself and keep them. Yeah. The things I don't like myself, I can crumple them up and throw them away. And and I think through that, through the years of just self uh, analysis and just tweaking things here and there, it's kind of brought me to who I am today. And, and I owe, you know, a debt of gratitude to, to MTV and to the challenge for doing that. But, but again, you know, then you hit this point where it's like, all right, cool. Like time to leave the nest, man, and take all the stuff that I've learned and now focus it in, in a new direction. And, and people are like, oh, well, why did you, what, like you're going back to your question, why do you keep going back to the challenge or, or, or what is it about it beyond the familiar, the familiar familiarity? It's like, because I want to accomplish more. You know, okay, I've won seven times. I won the most money. Well, I want to win eight. I, win win eight. I, don't, I don't have a, a, a ceiling where I'm like, okay, you know what? I've done this. I'm good. 
Something you kind of hit on though, you talked about being mischievous early on. You said you'd kick your own 22 year old self sass. You'd, you'd beat them down. Uh, you had said that you've done things that you've it's been like cringe, right? And now you're kind of launching into an NBC business world. So one of the, the, the questions I have about that is we're see, we live in a very, an interesting world where the margin for error in this space when it comes to professional and financial means is nothing, right? One big, one mistake, one cringy thing, and you could be done. Every brand could cut you off. You, it could be over. We saw it actually this morning. I don't know if you saw it or not. Dave Portnoy, really, there's some kind of sex video that got out. And he's a huge impact on a big publicly traded company, Penn. The stock is getting crushed. So I, I ask you, have you ever had a situation in which you've lost out on a financial or business opportunity because of some of those things? And now that we're in this social media world that is so magnified, do you ever worry about, oh man, if I go back back into that world, it actually could somehow have a severe impact on X, Y, and Z. And maybe the NBC thing might be gone and financially that can be a burden. I'm thankful and I'm lucky that a lot of the, I don't even want to say mistakes, but a lot of, of the things that I did that, like I said, were cringeworthy, were way back, like, I mean, were, were preceded social media and all this stuff happened before uh, you know, I, I'm in the position that I'm in now. Right. Yep. And I feel like, like a lot of people, it's like, I made my mistakes. I made the, the, the things I did early on at a young age. And like I said, I was able to see the things about myself on TV that I didn't like, and I was yep. able to change them. And I, and I like to, and I like to think that we are all a byproduct of the mistakes that we've made. I, sure. and, I and I've said this about, when it comes to the, you know, going back to the challenge, my losses, the times that I've come up short, the times that I have failed, had so much more of a, a formative impact on me than the times that I had succeeded. And again, I think, uh, you know, there's nothing that 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 I've said and done in the past that I would, you know, that I would necessarily take back, only because it was though it ha- had I not said certain things or done certain things, it wouldn't have led me to who I am today. So um, well said. I want to give you like, a standing O with that, honestly. <laughs> again, I think we're, we're we're a byproduct of of decisions that we've made in our lives, and I think sometimes the bad decisions, sometimes the mistakes, sometimes the losses, are the ones that that change us and impact us and form us the most. I've always said, like when it, uh, to use like a, a a a boxer reference or whatever, it's not the guy that never gets knocked down that's dangerous. It's the guy that gets knocked down and keeps getting back up. And I think those are the ones who are the most well-rounded and, and, you know, the most ability who have the most ability to kind of, you know, adapt and change uh, with their environment. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a firm, firm believer of all that because I think what we do is a society asks us to adhere to these pressures. And as a result of it, we put these protective mechanisms in place to adhere to be what society wants us to do. That was me 10 years as a corporate banker doing everything to put the identity out there so it was perceived as success while I was I was deep rooted and, and miserable. And exactly to your point, if you're not willing, you know, to fall on your face, how can you get to the next level? And if you look at anyone who's achieved big success, all of them have fucked up and fallen on their face mm-hmm. over and over and got rid of those protective layers to find out who they are. All right, the last one we got before the trading secret. If you had to project, you got a mirror ball, you have to answer this question. There is no way out. Mm-hmm. when do you think will be your last season on MTV, The Challenge? 
when a they stop when when MTV fails me and they're like well, we're either done with the show or we're done with you or when my body fails me and I'm no and I'm no longer able to do it. Um, so you're 69 years old and somehow you still have the biceps to be doing it. You're doing it, buddy. I'm showing up, <laughs> all right, with a walker with tennis balls on it, all right, and I'm still gonna be running circles around these uh, these new kids because a lot of people. They don't realize as, as much as like the, the challenge, yeah, it, there's a, a lot of physicality to it. It's all up here, man. I've always said this, the challenge, I've never been the biggest guy. I've never been the strongest and I've, a guy. I've never been the smartest guy. But what I have been able to do is adapt. And I think that has been probably the thing that separates me aside from most people on the show and just in, in, in reality is my ability to just be a chameleon, man, and just and adapt to my ever-changing environment. And I feel like I would find a way to adapt. And if one season you went from a GED to a doctorate after 20 plus seasons, your resume is stacked. And like you said, it sounds like you learn from experience. Yeah. So I think that's a, a perfect way to wrap up this like just uh, unreal episode is to just give us a trading secret, something from your experience financially, professionally, that you can trade with those listening. And that if they Googled and tried to learn on themselves, they couldn't find it on some broken down website. I guess, I mean, it's just going back to kind of like, to, to, to kind of like what I've said. I mean, I have always been a true believer in you get out what you put in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your vibe attracts your tribe. That is one of that, that, that is one of my, my, my favorite creeds because it really is dude. It's like you, 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 you're a product of the people you surround yourself by. Okay. And that's not, that's not by chance. If you, if you're a degenerate gambler, you're going to be hanging out with degenerate gamblers. If you are a, a, a finance whiz, or if you're, or if you're a money guy, that's probably you're going to, who you're going to surround yourself by. If you're me, you surround yourself with goats. But I mean, that's just, and, and, and I've always just been a big believer in that man is, 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 you know, just be the best version of yourself. You could possibly be every day, man, work hard, do a, do a little bit extra, Dude, I, to this day, when I meet a fan out out in, in in public, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of how bad my day is going, if they want to take a picture, if they want to chat, I will take the time to do that only because I know how much that means to them. I know how much that could change them. But also I know, dude, the power of positive energy, that yeah. person then is going to tell 10 people or five people or whatever. Johnny Bananas is, is, is such a great dude. He took a picture. He talked to me, he held my baby, whatever. I know from celebrities I've met in the past. If they're assholes to me, I Always I tell right. everyone I know forever what yep. a dickhead they were. And it's that like, I don't so want to be true. that guy. And I, and I want, and, and again, I can't tell you how many times that while it may not happen right there in the moment, it's crazy how many connections, how many people I've met, how many people have come back and given me opportunities, how much success that I have leveraged based solely on positive interactions that I've had with people because that then gets put out there. And a lot of times it comes back deals that I've had with brands or companies. I've gone the extra mile. I've taken that little bit extra time to do, and, and they come back and like, we want to work with you again. We want to, or we have this new dude, first look. The reason I got the job first look is because I met at one of uh, the, the challenge premiere parties. Mm -hmm. I met a woman who does casting for NBC and I didn't know who she was, but we just had a, a, a chat at the bar. She, at, at, she's like, I'm a huge fan. We're watching the challenge forever. Little did I know that she does casting for, for, for NBC. And here we are when this when this job opened up. She's like, I want you to come in. I love you. I think you'd be great for it. And had we never had that conversation, who knows, who knows where I'd be right now. So, yeah. I, I think like the one thing that's going to stick with me two weeks from now is the vibe is your tribe. I mean, yeah. I think about so many ways. How can you summarize 
that um, your ecosystem, that you're part of it. And that's the best way to put it. Your vibe yeah. is your tribe. It's it's really good advice that can literally change someone's lives. But I think yeah. the first thing you got to do, like you said, is you got to be the best version of you. You got to own who yourself is. Exactly. And then your energy will magnify those that you want to be around and provide resources for you that you otherwise wouldn't have had. So couldn't agree more. Johnny Bananas, this is from everything of breaking down your name to getting in the weeds of the finances to your professional career. This has been awesome. People yeah. listening to you that want more from you, where can they find everything you got going on, your clothing uh, uh, line that's coming out, everything? Let us know. Well, if you go to my Instagram, uh, I have a link in my bio uh, and it'll take you to all all my different, I mean, my, my YouTube channel. Um, if you like cooking, if you like traveling, that's really what I focus on there. I've become an expert chef during during quarantine. Um, Twitter uh, at Johnny Bananas, uh, Instagram at Real Johnny Bananas. Again, I have my YouTube channel, which is Johnny Bananas, and then definitely catch me on uh, Celebrity Sleepover um, on NBC uh, Saturday nights after SNL, and it's a fantastic uh, show. And 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 you're really gonna there's something for everyone, man. You're gonna have a, you're gonna have a great time on that. And then we're gonna get started. We're gonna get the ball rolling here on First Look again, doing traveling. Travel starting to open back up, so. Uh, the world better be ready because because uh, I'm about to I'm about to be uh be, be back out there. Johnny Bananas is ready to go. It doesn't matter where you're looking, you're gonna find them. That resume is stacked. You got a lot going on. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Good luck with all your future endeavors in the next season of MTV The Challenge. This yep. has been one hell of an episode of Trading Secrets, and we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. All right, my man. closing bell with the one the only the curious canadian david ardoin david it is good to have you here today you could not make the johnny bananas interview but i know you listened to it in depth preparing for this recap so what do you got what'd you think i thought it was phenomenal um i have some close friends of mine in queens new york who are diehard johnny bananas fans and they're itching to hear this pod so um i know there's a lot of johnny bananas fans out there but i just thought he was great high energy and you know We've had a lot of entrepreneurs on that are prototypical entrepreneurs, business savvy, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that Johnny Bananas was so good because he had so many relatable takes. It really resonated. As a listener, you want things to resonate with you. And I think that he had a lot of like life experiences, some of which I'll ask you later in this recap, but he was just yeah. so relatable and um, smart and, you know, one of those guys who's like, like he said, street smarts, sometimes overweighs book smarts. And he's made a hell of a career for himself in that, in this field. Yeah. He's like a reality TV entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about the amount of seasons he's been on the way that he's been able to pivot being on the show to doing side hosting gigs. And this was in a time that you couldn't really be a reality TV entrepreneur because there wasn't the forum like social media today to really monetize and create. And he's, he's done it unbelievably. It's, 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 Energy is contagious, you know? It is. And, and you say that, but I also think he, he's, even though the, the platforms weren't set up yet, I still think he had the mindset, like he talked about, he wanted to be Johnny Bananas from the first season. Like he understood yeah. the importance of branding, which is like an entrepreneurial yeah. mindset. Like, like he said, like, you're like, you, you, didn't think that you could go on and do reality TV for life. And he's like, mm, actually, uh, yeah, sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> so he said that he was one of 200,000 applicants for the show. Now yeah. I got to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. How many applicants are applying for a season of the bachelor or bachelorette? And this is a two part question. So I'm going to ask you part two after that. Sure. 
my understanding is it's like hundreds of thousands, mm -hmm. hundreds of hundreds of thousands. And then what they do is they must have some, some system to, to weed down the applicants. And again, my understanding, at least what I went through, is they have like a regional casting. Right. So I got a phone call. Hey, could you come up? We do different regions at a time. Could you come up to New York City? So I came up to New York City and I met with them. And ironically enough, at the same place that I met with them, Hawk that season met mm -hmm. with them. Now, for mm -hmm. anyone not listening, Hawk is one of our best friends. So we both went through regionals together. And then what that happens after regionals, and at regionals, they take like pictures of you. Uh, they do an interview with a camera and, you know, they'll ask you a bunch of questions. They're getting a gauge on like your energy and who you are and are you camera friendly pretty much. Right. And then from that, they bring it down all their regionals. They knock it down to the top 50. And that's when we went to L.A. and we were in L.A. for like a yeah. week straight. And then from that 50, my understanding is they'll bring it down to like 40, 35. Um, some people won't pass the uh, background checks. Some people won't pass the STD checks. They'll bring it down to like 35. And then at the night, they'll still make cuts the night of to bring it down to the final cut of who will actually walk out the limo. So you're talking, you know, needle in a haystack to yeah. actually get one of these opportunities. So let's say that of the 30 contestants that get on the show for The Bachelor, how many do you think are from like a very like general, hey, apply to be on The Bachelor? And how many do you think are like, like recruiters, like casting directors, like pinpointing people, like chasing them to get on the show, especially in like a social media influence world now? It's such a good question. And so at first I thought my answer to this would have been, this is very simple, David. When they tell you where they're from, if you see someone on the show and they're from LA or mm -hmm. California, it's likely they probably just got picked up. I know Wills. Remember Wills from my season? Yes. For the season I was on? Yes. He was just shopping in LA at a mall and a recruiter came up to him and he came in fifth place. Like wow. he did really well. So, but then I've also heard some people that have very unique experience, like mm -hmm. unique stories, like really, yeah. really unique stories. They will find you. And it doesn't matter if you're in Idaho, um, they'll they'll try and cast you. That's interesting. Andrew S. was uh, Clay's cousin, I think. And now you got Dean's ex-girlfriend being on the new season. I know way too much. About I, didn't know, I, was just, I didn't know that. <laughs> Dean's ex-girlfriend? Dean's ex-girlfriend is on the, new, the newest season that they're filming right now. No way. Yeah. Dude, it's incestual. Think just about Matt me. James. Matt James is just buddies with Tyler. Yep. Just call me reality. Look, he's not dance. Well, he just got booted from dance got booted. Stars, but Ah, ooh. Just call me reality, David. No, um, we're going to have to. I got a team. We're going to have to do an episode. And the money behind Dancing with yes. the Stars. Yes. Because the money that is made in Dancing with the Stars is bananas. That's a good tease. And there's some, I'm going to call it out right now, The Miz. I want the Miz on here because I think that guy's threefold. He's electric will, factory. The Miz is coming on here. WWE superstar, dancing with the star superstar. Where did it all come from? The real world. Unbelievable. So speaking of the real world, MTV, the challenge, really quick numbers guy, money guy. He talked a little bit about $350 a week that he started out with. Now he's won a million dollars in prize money. And he very much alluded to, to you about you know, some leverage and, and negotiation tactics that he's clearly earned in this space. What do you think he's making per season now, contract-wise, from starting at 350 a week to now? So I did a little, I wish I would have asked him that. I was feeling, well, I kind of, I don't know, if you could hear me kind of pressing him to get that information, he wasn't giving it. Well, you, you I know? remember right when you finished, you you texted the Trading Secrets group chat and you're like, ah, I wish I got a few more numbers from him. Yeah. But when I listened to a bag, I, 
as a as a listener, I, I, he does, and I feel like we got a good amount of numbers. But you know, this is where yeah. you're the expert here. You can fill That's in the right. blanks. Here. I'm going to fill in the blanks, and I think what everyone else should know is like I'm going to have a pre-interview uh, uh, discussion with people so that I know that I'm going to get the numbers on mm-hmm. certain things before I interview them. But this is where we go in. So I did the research. It looks like on MTV, and especially in speaking with Elena, also was able to benchmark her numbers. You would get for a show like this, like the rookies, the new people are going to get in that one to two thousand dollar range per week. Okay. So if you have a show that goes for twenty weeks, you know, very crystal clear, you'll make about twenty k. Now the veterans are getting about three to five thousand a week, right? So if you're making five thousand a week at twenty weeks, that's a hundred k. And a guy like Johnny Bananas, who has established credibility, built this Johnny fucking Bananas brand. I'm going to guess that he is making upwards in the five to seven k week uh, a week range Mm -hmm. however the only thing that makes me want to pull back on that is he was kind of like i don't fucking care like pay me whatever i just want to be back on tv so knowing that i'm sure i'm tv is smart enough to bring him probably in that four range so i'm going to say 4k a week final answer 80k a season done 20 seasons he's now making 80k he's at 1.2 million of prize money he's probably clicking close to two and a half million in just contract and prize money earnings on the show it's making that penn state business degree looking pretty pretty (laughs) pretty good right now imagine for 20 years i guarantee you 20 years you'll go on a show you got some love some hate but you're gonna make at minimum just from the show 100k a year and you're going to increase your popularity. You're going to get these opportunities. Bah, 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 bah. And, we even, and we're not even talking social on that. And too, we're so. talking like, dude, 20 seasons. I, we did. Now, I got to do cameos and shit on other yeah. seasons and stuff. But I was on for eight episodes, one season. This guy, 20 seasons? I mean, we, me? I just I could go in depth about his... He did 20 bar appearances a month, six weeks of spring break, six months straight on the road, just grinding. Like, I mean, maybe oh, me and you, like 10 dude. years later, 10 years dude, prior. But I, I honestly, like, we gotta go party with this Have guy. to. No, the list <laughs> of guys, the list of guys that we need a night out with, that we have podcast with, I mean, just add him to it. I'm thinking, He's I'm thinking back to it. episode two, Joey Viral in Toronto. Yeah, still. like think about Joey Viral get mm-hmm. like Hugh Henny or Day yes. Trader on. Kevin O'Leary will like take care of the tab. Then we'll get Gary <laughs> B just be like, yo, yeah. oh, like, we can have biz. a fucking rage or biz. Be oh. out there like he'll be our security. Unbelievable. All right, one one last uh, take that I want just to get your opinion on because yeah. you know you're one of my closest friends and I, I, and I know that we've been through some, some um, trials and tribulations and successes and failures in life. But, you know, you said in the podcast that you wanted to give him a standing ovation because he said a quote that was so great um, that he thinks that we are all a byproduct of the mistakes that we've made and the successes from our failures. Pretty deep from a guy who's kind of, you know, bounce, bouncy ball off the wall energy, but he's right. I just want to kind of put you on the spot and see if you have, you know, just a story for the listeners of, you know, a product, a byproduct of the mistakes that you've made to get you where you are or some successes from your failures. Yeah. I think, you know, the first, when you're, when you just asked me that question, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I think for so long, I was so embarrassed by that. I was so embarrassed. I think we live in a world where you're condemned for your mistakes. You are uh, to be embarrassed by not creating perfection. Mm-hmm. We live in this world of social media where all we see is people's best days, their good, um, all their success. And to me, I was so peer pressured by that to live that same life, yeah. to live the life of everything's perfect. I'm not gonna talk about my emotions. I'm not gonna talk about anything going on in my life other than the good. 
And then I think what I quickly realized is you can do that for so long, but your mistakes and your failures will eat you up eventually. And that's what happened with me. I mean, I was living this perfect life, at least on paper, in a suit. And internally, I was eating away at myself, and I was miserable, and I was having severe anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, like, he's so right about that, that mistakes define who we are and the sooner you own them learn from them and even speak about them the better you'll be off i want to go into this one last piece and we could do a whole podcast on this but i was sitting with buddies the other day and we're talking about what it got deep it was like 1 a.m just having drinks just us and they're like what is the overall like what's the purpose of life like i know that's <laughs> deep. like what why are we here yeah we had all different thoughts and one of the thoughts that came up was happiness I was like, I think one of our overall themes in life is to make sure that we are generating a good output, but in a whole, we're happy. We're yeah. happy humans. And so we went around the table and we asked each other, like, all right, name five people that you know in your life and be real that on like a happiness scale are nine or 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And between the three of us, we could not think of many people, wow. including ourselves. Yeah. And it kind of got me thinking, like, we're chasing such perfection and and living through other people's lives so much instead of taking ownership of our own that it is, like, just tough to be happy. It's tough to to be human sometimes, which is... To be happy or human. Yeah, I think the more human you are, the more happy you'll be because the people we could name, they Mm. weren't very financially successful. Mm. They didn't have these big titles or careers. They're not making these, like, insane splashes in the world. Yeah. But in general, like, the core of their living is, like, just really happy. Yeah. And I think the more honest you are with yourself, the happier scale goes up. 100%. 100%. He said um, he, uh, you know, he seems like a really happy guy. And he said he's never had a plan. And he said he's a guy who's never felt like he's actually worked in a day. And, you know, I'll kick it off to you for the for the finish. But one thing that I live my life by and I've, and I've mentioned this to you before, is I live my life by three rules. One, do something you love. Two, do it to the best of your ability. And three, treat people the right way along the way. If you do those things, I feel like that I've that opportunities will present themselves and I'll never feel like I'm working a day in my life. So that's just yeah. something that I've kind of decided at a young age. So, But really, you know, the fact that we're in the weeds, thanks to Johnny Bananas, shows how <laughs> truly good of an episode that is. It really makes really makes you reflect and, and look at things full circle from the entertainment value to just, you know, human nature. Yeah, and I think anyone in any industry can take some of those giveaways and apply them to their life direction, career direction, maybe the decisions they're making financially and why, and do a little self-analyzing to say, like, you know, what are the things I'm doing? Why am I doing them? And my mantra, David, uh, in conjunction with yours is, Every day is such a great opportunity to find out more information so that you can put yourself tomorrow to be in a better position. And so whether it's falling on your face or having the best day of your life, every day you're gaining more information to put yourself in like a course correction to be on this like pursuit of happiness. And I'd suggest everyone uses today and tomorrow as an opportunity to do just that. Love your takeaways, David. Loved your breakdown. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please, please subscribe to this podcast and give us five stars. Any feedback is much appreciated on the comments. Throw your Instagram handle on there. We will reach out to you. We will call you out in our episodes. We hope this was another episode of Trading Secrets, one that you could not afford to miss. Also, pay attention to my Twitter. I've been giving out Starbucks gift cards left and right if you shoot me a text. So you can shoot me a text. You can say hello. You could ask us a question. David and I will answer that question. And 
Every week I'm giving out 100 Starbucks gift cards. So if you want to shoot David and I a text, you want to say hello, or you have a question, just hit me up. And that phone number to do just that is, of course, my area code. I'm not giving up on it. 716-215-2637. That's 716-215-2637. Thank you for listening to another episode of Trading Secrets 1. Hopefully, you couldn't afford to miss. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.